the bell and round two. Hello, Tate at quarterback. Hits the Jets. Needs a block and he got it. Touchdown, Arizona. Right, please tackle 14 for Arizona. That's the difference in the football game. He was amazing. Tate is doing things that I see Reggie Bush didn't do, Matt Leiner didn't do, Marcus Mariota didn't do, Marcus Allen didn't do. He's won four straight Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week awards. an absolute strike. A pass that couldn't have been thrown any more accurately from Tate. Extra you guys kind of have to do this week uh, to make sure you can contain him on Saturday. Great. Arizona, 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 Arizona. Yeah, that's going to be a real interesting piece to fall. Um, uh, you know, I, I think we can kind of move on to the articles this week, and, and let's take advantage of that opportunity where we talked about who could go and uh, who could stay to talk about uh, your uh, commits uh, performance in week nine and talk about our recruiting class. Um, why don't you go over the guys who have been recruited, uh, Brandon, and then we'll hit the guys who did recruit, uh, excuse me, did commit, um, and and go from there. Radio 470 AM, it is game day, people. Welcome to the most talked about game in the state of Texas. I'm already sweating like a whore in church. We're going to play fast. We're going to take what we can get, gentlemen. Do you understand me? Let's show them what we got. So uh, we'll dig into uh, how the commits performed. So Gunnell, big story of the night. He actually ended up breaking the, uh, the Texas high school career passing yards record, which is really, really cool. He ended up finishing the game uh, with 14,577 yards in his career, not just in the game. He actually had uh, almost 500, just under 500 yards for the game. Uh, he had another, he had, you know, five touchdown passes, uh, uncharacteristic two interceptions, but you know, uh, St. Pius X won 34-14. Uh, he just continues to, and he just continues to produce. He continues to make uh, really good reads, right reads. Um, like I said, he did have two uncharacteristic, uh, you know, interceptions. But uh, man, this this I'm really excited. I can't wait till he gets here. I know he's looking at enrolling in January, so I'm really interested to see how he performs at the next level. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for. Gannell to become the Texas all-time leading passer um, and still be a three-star recruit. Um, <laughs> I was just about to make a three-star performance joke, so thanks, Gabe. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's very puzzling, um, but yeah, I mean he's hopefully the future of the program, and so just hoping that he 
signs early enrolls early and is on campus and i guess regardless of noel status just uh continues to uh stay with his commitment awesome all right now moving down the line to uh quibena watson um man there just there just wasn't much uh film on him and edison still hasn't updated his stats uh i did at least watching you know the clips and everything like that he he still had one tackle and he had a like i think it was a two-point conversion on a, a fake field goal he ended up making that catch uh but one thing that it that didn't show up in the stats was like uh how disruptive he just he can be he is a violent explosive pass rusher off the edge and just he's he's going to be a problem for Pac-12 offensive line uh, offensive lines to keep him contained and to keep him from uh, getting into the backfield because that is that is his niche. He is really really good at getting in the backfield and disrupting a play, whether it be um, causing the quarterback to just rush the throw or uh, you know sacking the quarterback or even just taking down the running back for a loss. Um, I did interview him uh, and confirmed with him that he does have. At least at the time of the interview, he had 17 tackles for loss and 10 sacks. Um, and that was probably a couple games ago. So he's probably inc- uh, increased that by now. So uh, this is one one guy I'm, I'm super excited uh, to see uh, play in Tucson. Yeah, I think just out of pure need uh, with just a guy like him with just his skill set, I think it's very unique. It's like he's... Uh, almost like a just a more filled out Jalen Harris where he has the size or at least the frame um, the 6'3 frame with the athleticism I think he's around 225 230 at least which is already what Jalen Harris is at Um, but yeah just a freak athlete and I think he is uh, one of the guys that will come in immediately and see the field all right uh, so we're going to skip the next one down the line and go to uh, Maurice Gaines. Uh, we'll end up talking about uh, Jackson Turner a little bit later, but uh, so Maurice Gaines, um, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to get much in, in St. Thomas Moore doesn't update his stats. So I'm not hundred percent sure what his stats are. I do know he at least has at least one interception this year, which is good, but um, it seems like he doesn't get thrown to that often because if you watch his, uh, watch his film and it's in, in it's, Gabe can tell you how frustrating it is. It's usually only in like 20 seconds, and that's kind of upsetting for for us who want to, you know, see how these guys are doing uh, in live action. But uh, the parts you do see, uh, you know, he shuts the receiver, and, and, and this week he it was only like two plays, but he shuts his receiver down to the point where like they don't even throw the ball his direction. Um, it's kind of stuff that doesn't set, uh, you know, show up in the stat sheet, but. It's something that can't be overlooked when it comes to a, a cover corner. You want that corner to actually shut down their wide, rec- uh, wide receiver, not necessarily just you know gain, garner stats and whatnot. So, um, you know, I think he's still probably a, a great cover corner. Um, it's hard to tell with the small amount of clips that we're able to see, but uh, from what I have seen, he he still definitely has those coverage skills that I liked uh, once he came. Well, you know, when he committed. Yeah, his film is definitely one of the more frustrating to watch. I am not a fan of St. Thomas More and their stat or film keeping. Um, and he's kind of blown up over the last few weeks. I He had Oklahoma State and Baylor offers, I yep. feel like. 
yeah, and he's. I think Arkansas was in there as well. So he's added a few offers that uh, are coming up into the like the bigger program areas that could sway him away. Uh, I I don't know his status of his commitment, but I feel like he's a guy that would want to play closer to home, especially after being away from home in Connecticut for a year uh, in the prep school ranks. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's someone who Arizona needs desperately. Uh, Tim Huff off the team as of, uh, let's see, that was before the UCLA game. Yep. So yeah, they definitely need some corners now. Um, not that like Tim was like a great addition after all, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you just need some bodies there now. You're really running low. Yeah, no, uh, I know. Not, I not to take a tangent there, but um we really didn't touch on how, you know, taking off and him being a grad transfer, I guess, really doesn't impact the recruits. But uh, did you guys see that as a net overall addition? The guy was getting a lot of playing time. So I thought at the beginning of the season it was going to be a good addition. And then as time went on, I was like, okay, he doesn't really – he's not really physical. Okay, why is he celebrating an overthrow? But what the heck is – you know, stuff like that. There's a lot of questions I started having. I know uh, – <laughs> There's some really, really funny jokes I've seen about it, like um, Tim Huff's on the field, guaranteed pass interference, stuff like that. So, or pass interference, PI machine, Tim Huff. So, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I kind of think it was, I'd rather see Mackenzie Barnes or uh, Christian Young play and and get um, valuable in-game experience to help build them uh, for the future. That's just my take on that. Kind of surprising yeah. for him to take off like that, Gabe. What'd you think of him, you know, basically leaving in the middle of the season after picking us over Oregon to transfer to? Yeah, that that's it's definitely interesting timing. I somebody had told me that there were just some issues in practice or some uh you know, kind of more off field issues, I guess. And so uh I yeah, I don't know if it was more of a mutual split or if the coach if it was all on the coaching side or if he was just kind of sick of it but uh, yeah i mean i would just rather have mackenzie barnes develop through the last half of the season he played a little bit i think in like week one or two uh, but i'd rather throw him out there christian young sure i think he'd be better at safety but i'd rather he's a guy very similar to kind of just the safety group in general i think he's in the future one of your better players so you might as well just get him out on the field and see what you can get with him um and yeah he Huff was a graduate transfer so it doesn't really impact uh, maurice for next year but definitely just a very thin group that's now lost i mean you don't know when you're getting jace whitaker back maybe he's on a graduate transfer track um yeah, i don't know if he's gonna play this year at all we lost Jevin Hill and Tony Wallace to academics. So that's just been a depleted group. Sammy Morrison, I'm not a huge fan, but he's out for the season. And who's the other Oh, Malcolm Holland. I, I like him more than Morrison, and he's been out for the season. So just a, a really rough group. So I'd rather just get those true freshmen in there and just develop them. Yeah. Sorry about the interruption there, Brandon. No, you're good, man. Um, but I do want to point out to like Gabe, what Gabe alluded to with uh, Gaines' commitment. I, uh, every indication I've gotten is that he is solid to Arizona. Um, he, he really um, has a really good relationship with, with Demetrius Martin, uh, and so does his family. So I think um, 
it, I, I think it, I legitimately believe it's going to take a lot to get him to pull away from, from the Wildcats. So there's a little bit of good news there. So at least we know uh, that as of right now, he'll be a solid addition into the, into the class. And then, uh, so moving down to Jalen Johnson, uh, his, his team did not do well against Norco. They lost 51 seven, but, um, I know that he, there was a, um, I think, uh, Matt Moreno was at the game and he posted a, a really good clip of, uh, Johnson catching a, a, a really, you know, good pass and making that sucker into the end zone. And then it gets called back for penalty. Um, so at the time that I wrote the article, there were no updated uh, stats for him. I'm actually let me check real quick. I'm gonna see if they actually updated the stats for him for this game. But um, I, I will say that I've I've actually been really impressed with Jalen as the years gone on. Um, you can tell that he's worked his tail off during the off season. Uh, he has just incredible pull away speed for someone his size, and he. Um, his hands are getting better. His routes are actually crisper than they were last year. And, um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, he's, uh, he's undervalued in my opinion for, by the recruiting services, but he is definitely a, a good, um, a good pickup for, uh, for Arizona. Okay. So last, last week he had three catches, 75 yards and another touchdown. So that's not, that's not bad. That gives him five touchdowns on the season and over 600. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Jalen. I think he is. What, I mean, I, in my opinion, there are a lot of work in progress guys in this class, and I felt like at at the time of his commitment, based off his junior film, definitely a work in progress, just in terms of routes, and I think just being a more complete receiver. But I think since uh, since he's taken more of a prominent role in his offense, now we're seeing that. And I think he's got a lot of upside, just more of a, gosh, I, I'm i trying to put a comparison on him, but um, gosh, I don't know, just someone, someone who is just going to stretch the field incredibly, a 6-3-ish guy, uh, I think he's going to be a real complete package at Arizona, and pairing him with the Marcus Thomas and Trey Adams uh, in the future, that's going to be a, a very good combination of receivers for whoever the quarterback is. Yeah, it definitely gives them a lot of a lot of length and size on the outside, which is something that we all know Arizona has been missing, uh, especially during Rich Rod's era. Um, now we go into uh, the first uh, defensive lineman, only defensive lineman commit um, for Arizona. We got Kane Bradford out of. Uh, out of Dallas and his his team, who absolutely spanked Richardson seventy one to thirty three. Um, this is another. So it's weird. So watching watching uh, Bradford's film, uh, it's kind of hit or miss as to the the quality of it. So sometimes you get a good little glimpse of what he can do, and in this week we only got one play, and it was kind of. But you get it from like three different angles. So I mean, I guess that's kind of cool, but. Um, the fact that you only get one play to see what he did was is the frustrating part. But I will say this: it seems like every game, um, he's in the backfield tackling someone, and that's the kind of stuff that you want to see out of your defensive lineman um, to be disruptive, shed their blocks, and get into the backfield and disrupt plays. Um, 
Gabe and I actually kind of like Bradford at the beginning because he was, you know, big. He can't teach the size that he has. He was athletic um, and actually pretty quick. Um, but and, but he was very raw. He didn't really have that much t- technique. If you, you watch him this this year, you can see that he actually put in the work in the offseason to work on his technique. He actually knows how to use his hands to shed blocks. Um, he's very violent with getting off the blocks and is very effective at, uh, at shedding them and getting into the backfield. So that's that's something I'm looking forward to watch as his uh, as his game gets taken to the next level, especially since he hasn't been playing uh, football for that long. Yeah, for me, not a lot of film uh, that you're able to see on him. So it's very frustrating when you can't see much and you kind of know his history where he, or I guess you don't know his history because he hasn't played football very long. Uh, so still kind of this work in progress. But again, you know, a 6'3 to probably 90 by the time he gets to campus. And that's even before he's really on any sort of schedule here. I like him. I I wonder if they plan to use him immediately. I know that was kind of uh, in the rumor mill initially, but now they're offering a bunch of JUCO defensive linemen. Um, so we'll see where his status is, you know, come time his arrival on campus. And uh, maybe a guy to watch out for in terms of upcoming offers. I feel like... Um, you know, just the size alone and, you know, just kind of a lot of coaches will just drool at these guys that don't have a lot of football background and you can kind of mold them into how you want them to play. So I think especially as as we get closer to signing the early signing period, he could start to get some more offers his way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That could be something to watch as, uh, especially even after their senior season ends, it's very possible that you can start getting more offers. Uh, moving down to probably one of my favorite um, commits of the class and Chris Rowland. This guy's really fun to watch. Um, whether it's on offense or defense, he makes plays. He's, his athleticism is just absolutely ridiculous. He's definitely the most athletic person on that field on any given, any given night. Um, he finished this uh, this past game with 11 tackles on uh, defense, which was a season high for him. And um, the team he played in Highland, uh, they run uh, a triple option type uh, offense. It's definitely run heavy. So, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. He was able to play against the or close to the line all night. <clears throat> Man, and. Um, it, it, one thing I like about it, but that it shows that, um, and I've mentioned it multiple times this season, but he's a very physical um, tackler. He, he, he actually has decent form, but, man, he likes to lay, lay hits on people. Um, so usually he doesn't have to wrap up if he's able to lay that big hit because it definitely knocks the ball carrier down. Um, but even, even so, uh, he, he still has pretty good tackling technique. Um, he's a freakish, freakish athlete as, as a wide receiver. Um, and even, even as a punt returner. So I I can't wait for Roland also to get on campus because I think that's someone that he will at least be able to make a really good impact once he gets on the, on a campus. Yeah. So for me, he is kind of, I guess in terms of his production in high school, very similar to like a Scotty young. Uh, where just a playmaker on offense 
he's more of a safety in his film in high school and you know makes makes some plays gets his picks forces some fumbles he can lay a hit but if he's coming in as a corner i don't think we've seen a whole lot where you know can this guy you know howard's hips can he hang with some of these pac-12 receivers so for me that's that's always just kind of been my hesitation where a phenomenal athlete but I just, if he's coming in that corner at a position of need, I think there's just, I, I, don't, I don't know where the sample size of corner is. So uh, I'll leave that up to the coaching staff to kind of figure that out. And, and you know, they like something in him to put him at corner. Or maybe he ends up at safety, but safety is very loaded. So I imagine he comes in at corner, but just a very interesting prospect. I still think wide receiver is something that, could help out but then again wide receiver super loaded as well and see this is something i kind of want to dovetail a little bit i've been thinking about this recently i want to get both of your guys' uh, perspectives on this so um you know we got now have three dbs committed you know jackson turner who's going to be coming in as a safety like i said we'll talk a little bit more about him later but uh, you got turner coming in as safety uh maurice Gaines coming in no, no kidding as a cornerback and then Chris Rowland, who Gabe thinks is coming out to safety, and as time is progressing, I am starting to agree with him. I think that Rowland will be actually be coming in as a safety more so than a corner. And um, some little things that uh, Gabe and I have been tracking recently um, has further confirmed my suspicions that Rowland will be switched over to safety, which is a more natural position for him anyway, and I think we'll use his skill set. Uh, you know, skill set to full advantage. So, um, Gabe, what do you think about that kind of, uh, I guess, view? Uh, yeah, I mean, that would be interesting. Um, I know in our analysis of Turner, we kind of talked about the youth at the safety group, and there's there's a lot of guys. You have uh, Coleman in there with Christian Young, who seems to play either corner or safety. You still have Jarius, Scotty, Isaiah Hayes, if he can stay healthy. That was kind of my concern with him going into the season, and I'm not exactly sure on his status. Uh, you still have guys like Xavier Bell at Spur. I think you got one more year out of Tristan Cooper. Uh, but there's just a lot of safeties, and that's always been kind of Arizona's youngest and deepest position group. So, I mean, for me, eh, like overall, I just I, I don't see – phenomenal athlete, but I just don't see a whole lot out of Chris Rowland. I'm not sure what exactly it is. Like, even at safety, I don't think he, like, I mean, obviously Jackson was, like, the crown jewel at safety, and I think we both agree on that, which we'll touch on. But for me, I don't know. Chris Rowland, I I just can't get too excited about (laughs) overall. Okay, fair enough. All right, so... uh... Move on to Darian Clark. Um, he's kind of a he's probably one of the most under strangely under recruited uh, players on on Arizona's list. And Gabe and I both agree we think it's mostly because of his size. But he's a natural uh, football player. He has the instincts that um, I can safely and um, confidently say remind me of Colin Schooler. Um, he has great eye discipline. Um, you've seen Colin kind of like sit there and wait, wait. And as soon as he knows where the play's going, he takes, he, he, he just explodes. That's pretty much how Darian uh, plays. Um, and he plays for a really, really good team in a really good league in, in Texas and in the Dallas area he plays for South Oak cliff. So, um, 
you know, his stats for the for the year so far are uh, 40 tackles, 10 for a loss, and a sack. Uh, the stats are incomplete because, for whatever reason, South Oak Cliff doesn't update every game. So, but um, there weren't much. There weren't many highlights in his uh, game against Spruce High this past week. But I'm confident that Clark uh, performed very, very well as he's performed all year. Yeah, it seems to be the size issue um, that is holding him back from picking up more offers. His school is heavily recruited by some other Pac-12 and Big 12 schools, but Arizona seems to be his lone Pac- or Power 5 offer at the moment. But the production is there. He seems like a smart player and seems to be in the right position Look does look small on his film. Uh, I think in this last article, I think that's or in this last recap with his film, I did notice that he did look very small compared to some of his other uh, highlights. But I mean, overall, I think having him and then who's uh, Isaiah Johnson as well. That's that's a good duo to have uh, behind Colin Schooler to learn behind. I agree. Both those guys are very aggressive and actually pretty good and very solid tacklers. I think that's going to be important, especially moving forward since tackling has been an issue again this year. Uh, So moving on, uh, uh, Gabe's favorite, Michael Wiley. Um, He, uh, there weren't, there weren't really any, um, any stats for him this game is kind of frustrating um, or even, even really, it just shows like he had a, a, a pretty convincing nine yard touchdown run. which showed some power and some explosiveness in that play. Um, he's someone that, uh, you know, compared to last year, um, you know, he, he looked kind of, uh, I guess what, what not even slow, but just not explosive, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, this year he's, Looks like he has a little bit more explosiveness to his game. He um, he has pretty good vision to find the to find the holes and follow his blockers and then uh, explode out. Um, and he doesn't have like blinding speed, uh, but I can t- you can definitely tell um, that his his speed has increased from last season, which is which is a good thing. Um, and another you know in the past two actually a year and a half really. Uh, he's put up almost 2,000 yards rushing, and in, in, in Texas, that's not easy. Um, and you know, he doesn't play in a in a a wimpy league. He plays a lot of his school plays a lot of powerhouses in the Houston area and Dallas area and Austin and all that good stuff. So uh, he's playing against pretty solid competition. Um, you know, I'm I'm starting to like Wiley more and more as, as time goes on. I'm not 100% sold on. I still agree with Gabe that, that I do think that Darius Smith is is the better of the two, but I do think that Wiley is actually coming along nicely, and his his progression and growth are coming along nicely. So, I think once he gets into college, maybe has a redshirt year, he should pretty be a pretty solid addition to the backfield. Yeah, for for Wiley, his junior film was just not very good. It just looks like your average high school running back. But this season, he definitely looks a lot better. And like you said, I mean, even it even goes back to Clark. And are there any other Texas guys? Uh, uh, Kane. Kane, yeah, Kane Bradford. Um, and I uh, obviously getting out. But regardless, 
while I would like California recruiting a little bit more, just because I feel like that's a little bit easier to draw when you have so many schools in Texas. Uh, just, I think there's a big high school Texas football factor where I think the talent is just better and it's just, it's just something different about Texas high school football and just their passion for it and their dedication to it. So, you know, that is one thing that I will uh, lean on, I guess, when it does come to Michael Wiley. And like you said, you know, I, I do think it is tougher there uh, playing in Texas. And so that's always something nice to think about. <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving on to the local kid, we got Jordan Morgan, um, you know, it's starting to blow up a little bit, you know, picking up Arizona state and USC offers. Um, this game was kind of uncharacteristic for him uh, from what we've seen this year, because he's made immense growth from last year to this year. Um, we've had one of our contributors uh, actually go out there and, and see him multiple times. And he's been really impressed with his play. Uh, but this, this game against Sunnyside, um, even though Murano won, there were times that uh, Morgan looked a little bit slow, so to speak. Um, he is very athletic for size, but he just looked a little off. Um, there were times that uh, the Sunnyside edge rushers had like a step or two on him, and he seemed to have a little bit of trouble with the speed of the edge rushers. Um, but overall, he didn't do a terrible job. He uh, there were times, even though he was he was um, slower beat or anything like that, he was still able to be disruptive enough to have allow his quarterback to to make the play. Or at least make the throw so he didn't have to take a sack. So, um, he said, just kind of a weird, uncharacteristic game for Morgan. Um, I don't. I'm not too worried about it. Um, I think he's still going to be a great, uh, great addition to the offensive line. He has a tremendous upside. He's very athletic, and he can add about oh, I don't know, 40, 50 pounds, and still be probably just as athletic. Yeah, I mean, he's just one of the guys that has the frame and the athleticism to become an elite tackle and really a lot. Like I've said, I think a lot of these guys are kind of a work in progress or, you know, they need some more development or uh, some refinement of sorts. And, you know, he is definitely one of them and you'd need help immediately on the offensive line. And I don't think he gives that to you, but if you give him, hopefully just two years in the system, maybe one if, if we're lucky, um, you know, he's someone that starts at left or right tackle. He's a right tackle. Now, maybe he goes to the left, um, eventually, but I think he's someone who could start for three years here. So he's one of my favorites. I wish he could help immediately, but I am willing to take him as a stash guy and develop him. Nice. All right, so moving on to Eddie Salmao. Uh, I still got to get with him to see how his season's going, but I managed to find someone out in American Samoa who's been tracking uh, how the, I think it was like was it six or seven high schools uh, have been you know playing and performing, getting the score updates on stuff. Uh, right now what I found out that is that uh, Eddie's uh, Leone team is sitting at two and three. Um they had a bye week this past week, so there, I didn't really have any updates for him. Um, 
uh, once I get I, once I get the uh, you know talk to them and get get see how everything's going and everything like that, Gabe and I will be able to get a better idea of you know how his progression has gone from uh, last year because last year we know it was his first season as a, as it's kind of like an outside linebacker rush end uh, moving down from safety from a sophomore season so um, stand by for that kind of stuff and then we move on to uh, Kyle Ostendorp from Desert Vista who's having a heck of a season uh, I would even say Kyle's having a heck of a season um, he's kind of sitting right around where Dylan Klumpf is actually he's doing a little bit better uh, average wise uh, he's had 25 punts uh, this past week, no, sorry, two weeks ago, uh, his stats have been updating like a week late. Uh, he knocked in his a season long 62 yard uh, punt, which is pretty good. He's had 13 inside the 20, and he's averaging 42.8 yards per punt, so sitting around around 43 yards, which is kind of what you want for your punter. Anything above 40 is, is, is golden. Uh, he's starting to make that climb back up. Uh, his his average dipped a little bit from 45 to 41 over the course of two games, uh, but this past game he actually moved it up uh, about a yard and a half. So, uh, you know, he's pretty consistent right around that average, and I'm pretty happy with with that, considering what uh, Gabe and I both heard. Uh, you know, when he committed and prior to the season about how uh, he just wasn't that great, but this is clearly showing that he's starting to grow. Yeah, so so actually, I was on the two four seven crystal ball, and I saw. Oh gosh, I always it's Braden McNamara, Brandon oh, Mac, uh, Austin McNamara, Austin. Yeah, um, I saw he has a crystal ball pick to UCLA. Uh, I, I'm not sure when he picked up that offer, but that is uh, a little more. It, it eases the pain, I guess, to to see a kid go to UCLA instead of. Arizona waiting for him although but then I looked up Austin Dorp and then he dropped again on Chris Saylor's rankings now he's like 125 so I'm not too sure and he's a 4.5 star which is between D1 and D2 but I mean he's he's getting his numbers up on punting and so I mean I guess he's just kind of a wait and see until he gets on campus but he's gonna have that job next year so uh, Yeah. yeah he's all you got yeah pretty much all right, and so that's all we got for like the guys that, who have been committed. Uh, Dax will hand it over to you. So, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the good news. Uh, so over the weekend, while we were uh, you know losing games to UCLA, we picked up a couple new recruits. Uh, why don't you break them down for us, uh, Brandon? So Gabe and I, uh, we're super excited. We've been waiting for this one for probably since his, I don't know. It's been a while, actually. We've been waiting for it for a couple of months. Yeah, Jackson, for the season, for sure. Yeah. Jackson Turner finally um, publicly announced his commitment to Arizona. This is one that Gabe and I, I know I've talked about numerous times on here. As a matter of fact, one of the comments on the article was a guy asking if this was the same uh, player that Gabe and I have been have been gushing over. And it is, um, you know, I couldn't be happier with, with Arizona landing Turner. This was a huge, huge recruiting win in every way, shape and form. They were able to get their priority at, at safety um, and pretty convincingly as well. Uh, this kid is just a freak athlete. Um, you know, defensively, he's a hard hitter. He makes just ridiculous like plays on the football, whether it's just smacking away, coming down with an interception, what have you. Um, 
this year he's playing a lot more offense. And let me tell you, I don't, I, I, I do not envy the defenses that have to try to tackle this kid. He actually makes me tired watching him just go through the defense and, and, um, just shred them, shed blocks and, and keep continue pick up yards or, or make scores. So, um, man, I can't, I, I can't say enough about this kid. This is just a heck of a heck of a commitment and heck of a win on the recruiting front and in Southern California for, for the Wildcats. And, you know, you start with the, with the past two, um, uh, defensive back classes, you know, you got David Coleman, Christian Young, Mackenzie Barnes, and then this year, Roland Gaines, Turner, throw in like Scotty Young, and um, sorry, excuse me, and then you got yourself a heck of a secondary. So I'm really excited for the future of of, of the secondary for Arizona. Yeah, this. Um, I mean. I love safeties. They've been my favorite position group for the past four years. Maglore, Cooper, Young, and Young, Scotty and Christian are the last four years. And I think Jackson Turner is my favorite commit so far. It would have been Logan Wilson, rest in peace. But for Jackson Turner, I think he's one of the best defensive prospects that Arizona has offered, in my opinion. His junior film is phenomenal when you watch it. Like, you can tell this is good film. Uh, I mean, he's just making plays left and right. Heck of an athlete at 6'2". He's probably going to be pushing 200 pounds by the time he is on campus. Uh, Just super athletic, super smart, and just makes all the right plays. He's my favorite commit right now. Um, This was a huge pickup. Arizona kind of missed on a couple of other safeties I, and I'm blanking on the kid from cathedral who went to Colorado, Brandon, do you, can you, uh, so you got a uh, Mark Perry, Don Chapman. There we go. Yep. Um, so yeah, Mark Perry went to Colorado over Arizona, Don Chapman. I really didn't want, but he had a crystal ball pick for Arizona for a while, but ends up going to Colorado Brandon Joseph, uh, it was Texas Tech, Arizona, and somebody else in his final three. And at that point, I would have just taken him. I do. I liked him better than Mark Perry, for sure. Uh, but then Jackson was the top guy at safety. I don't think, kind of kind of going back to Chris Roland, I don't think you need a safety in this class. Uh, it is my favorite position, so I will take him. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, he, I, mean, I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he's going to be so good at Arizona. I'm really excited for this kid to get to campus. Yeah, it's interesting you you guys went down the list there because I remember, you know, just missing out on a guy, just missing out on a guy, just missing out on a guy, and Gabe, Gabe kept saying, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. So it's nice to see that we they hit the guy that you guys are really jazzed up about. And, you know, you guys have touched on the depth multiple times, so I don't think that that's – an area that is um, as critical. But uh, one area that, um, you know, Brandon's feeling pretty confident about, but I can't say I share his confidence is the offensive line. Uh, So why don't you tell us about um, the commitment we picked up there and some offers that have gone out in the trenches, uh, Brandon? All right. So uh, over the weekend, and it's kind of, kind of. I mean, this came out of nowhere for me. Um, I, I knew Arizona was doing well with them, but Ahina, uh, uh, Rocky Ayatogi, um, originally from Hawaii, he's out in uh, Kansas playing for Fort Scott right now. Um, kid's got size that you can't teach. Kid's like six eight, six seven, six eight, around 340, 350 pounds. So he's a 
very big dude. And actually, if you if you look at his film, you can easily pick him out on the offensive line because he's the biggest freaking dude out there. Um, so he you can't teach that size. He's very long. He's actually really really good once he engages his his man. Um, but the problem with him is he's very raw. He his foot his lateral movement and his foot speed are a little bit slow in my opinion uh definitely can be worked on um i kind of agree with gabe that like you know you can't you need help on the offensive line now um i'm not you know even though i was, I was praising the offensive line you still need help you always need help on the offensive line there's you, you get you got to get the you know those guys that you need uh but at the same time, I think he's a, a good pickup because that's the size that you, you know, everyone's been wanting and needing on Arizona and, you know, on Arizona's uh, line. And I agree that is definitely the size that you, you need. Um, give him a redshirt year. Um, he, he's definitely athletic. I can tell you this, even though his foot speed is slow, he still moves quickly for someone his size. I can honestly say that. Like I was actually shocked at how quick he can move for someone his, you know, six, seven, 345 pounds. Um, and I will say, though, there's uh, times he's been beat just straight up. He's been beat. Uh, there's been times that he's been beat before, uh, but is still able to um, disrupt the guy long enough for his quarterback to either get out of the pocket, get back to safety um, or or throw the ball away or even throw it downfield for completion. So uh, overall, I like the commitment. I'm not saying that it's like blow me out, you know, blow me out of the water. But there are a lot of things to like about uh, Ayatogi. Um there are definitely some concern areas, which I understand. So, uh, overall, a, a solid pickup. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching Jackson Turner highlights now, so I'm ready to, like, hit someone, throw some weights around. <laughs> I'm ready to go. But uh, as far as Rocky goes, so, yeah, this one, I believe this one was, um, like, in the middle of the game. I wasn't able to watch, but I remember – uh brandon and i were talking and then i was like oh man jackson turner i'm pumped and then he's like how about the one last night so i had no idea this kid committed um and so did some digging around i like it's it's very much like the kyle ostendorp situation where you need help immediately so i'm glad you at least go to the juco ranks because they're going to be a little bit bigger a big little bit more physical and just essentially more well-rounded but then this guy i think this is his first year ever playing football so very interesting to me to you know bring to go to the juco ranks because you'd want someone a little bit more prepared but then you pull this guy in so uh, yeah very very interesting situation there but i do appreciate that you are addressing a very heavy need right here um, and the dude is huge. He's aggressive. And I think uh, somebody tweeted at me, I think, where, you know, it's like you don't see that aggressiveness a whole lot in our current offensive line. And I kind of agree. I mean, I don't I don't think they're not I don't think they're soft or anything, but you're definitely not seeing guys, you know, with that same level of nastiness. And I think he definitely has that. And that's something that the line has been missing. Um, you know, I guess it is also easier when you're like six, eight, 320 pounds, but the dude is huge. And I think that he, he is quick. Like Brandon said, uh, definitely a better run blocker. Um, I think he can get to the next level and can continue to, uh, carry on a block and, and carry on a play. So I appreciate it. I, I do like the size. I do like, um, 
you know, just going to the Juco ranks. It'll be interesting now because this is his first year playing football, kind of like uh, De Beer. Uh, kind of, I mean, he was entirely new to the sport where, oh, well, I guess, I mean, he is too, but I don't know. I, I, I feel better about Rocky than I do De Beer, and De Beer ended up being the starting right tackle for about two years and stuck with the Bills for quite a bit. But it's a good commitment. I'll take it. Um, I do hope for maybe another lineman or two at least um, coming up. Well, it's interesting you met that. We've gotten a couple offers out on uh, Ja'Kai Clark and who's the other cat we just threw out an offer to? Myron Cunningham. Yeah, Myron Cunningham. What do you guys think about them? It seems like all of a sudden we're really, really, uh, uh, you know, throwing down on the old lineman. Um, Yeah, so, like, there's been actually a few more other than those two. Like, Ja'Kai Clark, I actually talked to him. Uh, really nice kid. I like that kid. He has a really good head on his shoulders. Uh, he plays for uh, Georgia Powerhouse Grayson High School up in northern Georgia. And, uh, yeah, he's making the trip out to uh, Tucson this weekend as, as our Gabe and I uh, to go see the game. And, um, I mean, he's – he for a high school kid, that, that guy is – he's nasty. Like, he's got a nasty streak, kind of like Rocky does very aggressive um and and he once he much like rocky as well once he engages his guy he drives him into the dirt so um that's something i really like um obviously uh clark's been playing football longer so he's a little bit more polished than than uh rocky but he uh sorry excuse me he uh does a really good job of like, let's say like he's, he's in charge of two guys blocking two guys. He, he manages to disrupt one long enough for the guard to engage. Then he gets the other guy, um, and, and in a very quick, fast and in a hurry fashion. So that's something that I really like about his film. That's something that really stood out to me. was like how polished he actually is for a high school kid. Um, I know he's, he's planning, he took a visit to Arkansas state. Um, you know, he's taking the visit to Tucson this weekend. And then, um, on November 3rd, he's going up to uh, Champaign, Illinois, to visit the uh, the Fighting Illini. So um, it, I'm really interested to see. I think that this visit um, will go a long way in his recruitment. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, as for Meyer and Cunningham, I don't think the staff would offer him if they didn't think he had they had a chance. But I do think that he would be he's going to be a little bit difficult or more difficult of a pull. Um, a lot of big guys going after him. Uh, so uh, I'll let Gabe talk about these two guys, and then I'll go into a couple others that uh, we offered. Yeah, so I love Ja'Kai Clark. And for me, it's just very in- it's a very interesting situation where he was an Auburn commit, I believe, early September, uh, yep. and then gets an offer uh, within like the last week and is already setting up his official visit as soon as possible. And so just based off of following the last few classes, that's a very good sign where they just jump on it. Um, and you know, they're, they're trying to make their schedule work for an official visit. And it's one of his first official visits that he'll be taking since his decommitment. Um, so I think that's just a really good sign where, you know, I think there's mutual interest on both sides and, for me, I really like him. Another big dude um, looks good on film as well. Ranked almost outside, pretty dang close to the top 1,500. He's he's just inside the top 1,500. 
Uh, I think he's like a top 900, 800 type of guy. Uh, committed to Auburn, so I am curious as to why his ranking did not automatically jump to like top 400. But um, yeah, I mean, I really like him overall. I think that there is, but I mean, I don't, I haven't talked to him and I don't know much about him and his, his recruitment, but I feel like just the things are adding up to favor in Arizona. And so hopefully this goes uh, well this weekend with his visit. And then uh, Cunningham, I know nothing about. I have his 247 profile up right now. <laughs> and, um, you know, looks, uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I know nothing about him. So uh, watching a little film on the side lo- looks pretty good. Looks, look, he, he's very, very much like uh, Jordan Morgan, where he just looks very lean. Um, six, what is he? He's six, five, oh, six, five, 300. Yeah. This, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take him. Yeah. <laughs> this dude, this dude is like Jordan Morgan 2.0. It seems like, like I, this does not look like bad weight at all. His film looks good. Uh, looks like he has a pretty decent offer list. Um, unranked, um, overall in the composite, but a three-star overall. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. I'll take either of these guys or both. I'll happily take both. Well, now that you mentioned that, Gabe, before we move on to the uh, other two offers, uh, uh, Brandon, you know, right now our class is sitting at, I just had it up, darn it. We're at 13. 13. Are we still thinking this is going to be a pretty small class or? It's super funny that you actually mentioned this because I think last night Gabe and I were talking about this. We both agree that we think that it's going to be. More than because what Gabe and I both agree it was good, both Gabe and I both said it was going to be like f- around 15 at the beginning of the season. We think it's actually going to be more now. My guess is somewhere right around 20, um, maybe a little bit less, but it's definitely going to be more than 15. So there'll be a few more spots for for the staff to add some uh, linemen on both sides. Yeah, I think at the beginning of the season, I was like 16 tops. Like the numbers just don't make sense. Um, you know, you, you lost three scholarship guys with Tony Wallace, Adam Plant, and Jevin Hill, all due to academics, like two weeks before the season. So that I would have loved to have them on scholarship still, and they would have been playing, potentially starting right now. But that does open up three new scholarships for Kevin Sumlin and his new uh, class that he will bring in for this year. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think it'll be closer to 20, maybe like 19 ish. I think that's a pretty safe number. I don't know what direction or what other positions they'll want to fill in, uh, or what they're really heavily pursuing other than OL and DL. Um, so that's something to definitely keep an eye on, I guess, in the next coming weeks and who they'll try to close in on before early signing period. And, uh, hopefully nobody leaves in this class where that just kind of becomes, um, you know, kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back, I guess, where, you know, it kind of leads to another one and another one, another one. So for me, uh, I'm not sure. I, I haven't followed this class too closely in terms of offers. So I'm not exactly sure what the flow looks like, but it seems like, oh, well, and DL is definitely the priority right now. Yeah, I get the same vibe. I was kind of hoping that this class would finish strong with, you know, uh, uh, the vast majority being these sort of solid, as you've commented before, Gabe, you know, they all look like a very similar, uh, you know, long athletic 
uh, type guy, you know, whatever position you're looking for, they, they all kind of fit that billing. But I was kind of hoping that someone would be shooting for the stars, so to speak, on a three or four guys to close out the class that would really uh, prop us up. Right now, um, we're ranked uh, 12 or eighth in the Pac-12, uh, and we have an average star rating of 83.63, which is, you know, with 13 commits, you know, not the worst in the conference, but certainly close to it. Um, it are, is that an unrealistic expectation that we're going to bring bring in a four a few more highly recruited guys? Is this something to be expected that, that we need more foundational guys and more success before that happens, or is someone going to live up to his recruiting billing and and be able to deliver some guys with this first full class? So one thing too, and I think Gabe can will agree is they some of the a lot of the higher rated guys actually wait till like near the end of the cycle to to announce. So. Um, I personally like tracking this class. I can tell you right now, Arizona is definitely doing well with a lot of higher rated guys than, than anyone really thinks. Um, I honestly can tell that there's a massive difference between um, the recruiting under someone compared to the recruiting under Rich Rod. I think that a lot more of these higher rated kids are taking Arizona more seriously and, and actually considering Arizona more seriously than they were under Rich Rod. Um, I know Gabe has more experience uh, covering recruiting under Rich Rod than I do, um, so he can probably speak more to that than I can. But uh, that's just my feeling that I'm getting so far this year and, and just based on what I know so far. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of Rich Rod's recruiting, I mean, really the only guys or the only time that these higher-ranked guys were giving Arizona that second look was when Dante was here and then the family broke up. But with our family (laughs) insert. But with this class, you know, it it is just, I think, the Kevin Sumlin appeal as well. And and I think that he's a lot more. Well, see, I don't know, because a lot of kids were like, oh, I want to play in the Rich Rod offense. And that was at least their, their pool on for the offensive recruits. But I think someone does have a little bit more appeal in terms of coaching. And I think Arizona as well uh, is up and coming in terms of just a lot more to offer now with just on-campus items such as their new practice facility and their academic center. I think those are actually very helpful tools that – Rich Rod just could not utilize to his advantage. And so I think that helps as well as just, I think Kevin Sullivan being more attractive despite, you know, a downturn in the season. But I think there's always like this new coach smell where I think. What does Sullivan Sullivan smell like, Gabe? (laughs) You know, I'm not sure. (laughs) Is it like new car smell or. Hopefully I find out on Saturday when I'm there. Um, But I think for him, I mean, it's just a lot easier to sell at the program right now. It's his first year and, you know, kind of like where Rich Rod was and eh, maybe like his 2014 class, especially after the Fiesta Bowl, you know, his pitch was, hey, let's, you know, I just won a Fiesta Bowl. Let's be the first Arizona team to win a Rose Bowl where now someone can at least be and then it kind of faded off in in the next few years but 
someone at least has a chance to say, Hey, you know, I, I need my guys. You're someone that I want to help turn around this program. All these other guys, you know, I'm, I'm stuck with them, but you know, you're someone that I want to build the foundation of something great here for the next few years and early playing time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, which by the way is, is a solid, like saying early playing time like that, like I'm pretty sure Rich Rod, like near the end of, of his tenure, he was, he was, not lying about that. Oh yeah. Uh, I can definitely tell you right now. I know for a fact that Kevin Sullivan is not lying when he says like early playing time. <laughs> like that's yeah. that, like, that is a truthful pitch for sure. Yeah. yeah. Getting, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead, Gabe. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I mean, just getting your own guys here and just selling them on, Hey, you're going to be the building blocks of something great. And you're playing early. You fit my system. Exactly. Exactly what I want to do with this program. So I think that's a lot more enticing after, you know, kind of just year six of just kind of keeping afloat in the Pac-12 under Rich Rod. Yeah, I, I wanted to comment on that when you had mentioned winning the Pac-12 South. And you look what Colorado's doing this year uh, with uh, Brandon's uh, Steven Montez. And, um, you know, that's a coach that instead of out chasing his mistress and flirting with a South Carolina Gamecock job, uh, went out and continued to recruit hard and, and to build on the success he developed and, and it's paying dividends. And, and when Rich Rod was here, he didn't do that. And he thought he could hustle along and, and subsequently we're in a position where early playing time and, you know, the recruiting gap that was there uh, was only beginning to be filled in the last couple of years. And so, um, you know, I think that's something that's really um, a significant contributing component to our current struggles. Um, I don't know if you guys feel differently or strongly or, or have other thoughts in that regard. I agree. I think uh, it's just something like, I don't know how you, squander away a Pac-12 South championship, make it into the Pac-12, uh, you know, championship game and then and into like a, a New Year's, New Year's six, six bowl. Yeah. yeah and, and just kind of like and just the, yeah. the next class away. So like, that's why I feel exactly take what happened. A, and take a big fat vacation. Right. And holy crap. Like, yeah. And, and, and the, the Arizona has like, kind of like still trying to recover from that. I do. I think Gabe and I talked about this, I think it was a couple days ago that I, I at least believe that at least the 27 and 2018 classes were a step up um, and with, with talent wise, because obviously you got schooler fields, will run and like, I think a lot of these freshmen from the 2018 uh, class are going to be really good. Um, but man, Oh God, just squandering away. That 2014 success was just criminal. Yeah. I, I think squander is a perfect word. You thoughts, Gabe? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with everything and I think, you know, yeah, to, to not, to have just a, a very average class following up the successes and especially just from, you know, immediately winning, what was it, eight games, was it eight games the first the first two seasons and then going into a ten win season, um, you know, and you recruiting pretty much stayed the same uh, even after that Fiesta Bowl and the, and, I, and I think the the original classes like 2012 2013 those weren't great classes to begin with and then I think later in his, at least in the 2014 or yeah 2014 2015 classes uh, he took a lot of chances just with you know guys with 
off-field issues, whether that's grades or character, or just a lot of guys started to, you know, leave the program or were dismissed and transfer. And so I think that, you know, definitely hurts the depth as well. So not only was, you know, the talent level not exactly there, but then you're also just losing a bunch of bodies. And, you know, he, he, he rebounded with the 2017 class, and I think that was – largely due to Dante um, and just kind of at least having, or I guess even 2016 with uh, Clil Tate. I mean, he definitely did his fair share of recruiting and he knew a lot of guys in the 17 class and having Greg Johnson committed so early, he recruited a lot of guys himself. Um, and so in 17 class, I think that was, that will be his best class when all of a sudden done in 2018. I think that's where, I mean, uh, I think he did a good job there where he kind of rebounded, picked up a lot of size. I think at the time, like only two commits in that class were under like six, one, so just a lot of size everywhere, really address a lot of the needs. And we're seeing some guys play early now. And, um, you know, it, yeah, it's just unfortunate that Arizona could have been a program on the rise and especially with USC. I mean, they haven't been dominant like they have been in the past and, uh, UCLA took a step back with Jim Mora. So, I mean, yeah, just, just very frustrating that you couldn't really elevate, uh, the program after 26, yeah, 26 wins in three years. So, yeah, I, I think that pretty, pretty concisely sums up the concerns. Well, uh, Let's not spend a ton of time breaking down Oregon per se. I want to uh, jump straight to uh, Gabe's article talking about how uh, former Arizona commits are faring at Oregon. Uh, I think every Arizona fan can relate to uh, Oregon, especially Willie Taggart uh, pilfering uh, our commits. And um, I know one uh, commit that's not doing much at Oregon, and that's uh, Braxton Burmeister. So uh, we have that small solace as uh, Gabe take, breaks down all the, uh, the recruits that are uh, at Oregon and how, how they're doing. Yeah, so once Dante left, that kind of started an avalanche of decommitments. And then Willie Taggart coming in, he offered a ton of kids uh, as soon as he got the job at Oregon. And so... That was kind of like the perfect storm for them to swoop in. Uh, so they got a lot of guys. And so on this article, I have uh, Thomas Graham Jr., who was never actually officially um, or, uh, I guess, uh, publicly a commit. But at the time, it was, uh, I forgot what they call their little barbecue event at the end of July. Oh, it was um, uh, like the closing or something like yeah, that. I don't know what it is, but that's pretty much their big recruiting event at the end of July. And at the time, Dante Williams was DMing me, and he had told me that Thomas Graham gave him his commitment, and he was committed for, uh, I would say, at least through midway through the season. Um, and then things kind of started slipping away, I guess. Ended up going between Notre Dame and Oregon, and uh, ended up at Oregon, obviously. And so he's uh, started quite a bit, almost every single game since he's been there. Um, I'm excited to see him play. I mean, he was like a top, I think he was like a top 100 kid coming out of high school, maybe in like the top fifties, maybe eighties. Um, so I'm sure he'll be starting, um, come Saturday. Um, and then, yeah, as you mentioned before, Braxton Burmeister, um, came in for Herbert last year. And I mean, at the time when he was committed to Arizona, 
Uh, well, I mean, I guess he, he has a he's committed to Arizona multiple times. He committed like back when he was a freshman in high school. Arizona got committed when he was living on the campus, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then Arizona got Khalil Tate and Devon Monster, and then he backed off for like a month. He took some visits to South Carolina, Indiana, Washington, maybe, and Utah unofficially, um, but went back to Arizona. And then things seemed fine and dandy. This kid was breaking records left and right at La Jolla Country Day, um, just shredding kids. I mean, it's a very low-level private school division of San Diego football. But, I mean, the kid was just bawling out. And late in the process, um, just Oregon got in his ear, and he's there. Played last year with Justin Herbert uh, when he was down and just looked terrible, like just really, really bad, really much, very much like um, Quill Tate against USC in his debuts. Um, but yeah, now I he had knee surgery earlier in the year, and um, I think this is a game where he's projected to come back. I don't think, I mean, um, unless it's, gosh, wouldn't that be something if if Oregon's just blowing him out and then or, or he just comes in for cleanup duty? Gosh, that's a that's a low blow. Um, <laughs> next I have Austin Falu. He was a big old DT at a matter day. Arizona got on him pretty early. He didn't have a whole lot of offers when he was, um, being recruited by a U of a, um, but then he suddenly like popped up with TCU, Oklahoma state. Uh, gosh, I'm blanking. Oklahoma. On Oklahoma. Oklahoma actually came in. Yep. Yeah. Oklahoma came in on an in home and offered him. Um, and then Oregon eventually came in, and then he was down to Oregon and OU. Announced at the, I believe it was the Army All American game. He's going to Oregon, and also a blow because he has a younger brother Andrew who is now on Oregon as well. And I think he was, he was, ah, I, I want to say he's like a top 500 kid. And so two big old D linemen down there that, um, you know, Arizona could have potentially had. I'm Austin has been playing a little bit this season. He has an ankle injury. And so they're unsure if he comes back this week, uh, probably one of the more frustrating ones. Um, and Brandon and I really love this kid, just his film very much like Rocky, mm-hmm. um, with Cody Shear, local Eugene kid grew up an Oregon duck fan committed in like the summer before his senior year and wanted to shut it down completely he was a guy who was very upfront with his process he said he didn't want to decommit he didn't he you know once he made his commitment he was firm and didn't want to leave a school you know hanging and he was kind of holding out for that Oregon offer but never got it and he didn't want to wait anymore um I believe Jim Halshek leaves uh, in like December or so, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. So he left yeah. in December, but he was still solid. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was like, yeah, he called me. He said he's taking a job or was he fired? Or did he had already accept? I don't know. Uh, he, uh, he had, uh, Michalsik had accepted Oregon state at that point. Okay. Yeah. So I, I know that he had been in contact with Shear, and he said, you know, he was still firm. He was bummed out, but he still wanted to go to Arizona um tagger like i said was throwing out offers left and right and a bunch of linemen they needed linemen probably at least like three dozen linemen offers and cody never got his offer uh, up until the night before signing day and i think 
we wake up at like 7 a.m. to Cody Shear announcing that he's signing with Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, it's just frustrating to see that, you know, for me, I, I always advocate for a kid going where he's most wanted. Um, and if you're getting the offer the night before signing day after you've been waiting, um, you know, you're not the first priority. So he's listed as the number three, but uh, right tackle right now and uh, redshirted last year. So hopefully he can at least. Uh, get some playing time in the future. Um, Darian McNeil, this was one I was actually very close to his family and still kind of talked to his uncle, I believe it is. Um, and he's kind of keeping me updated. So Darian McNeil, kind of like a a Rich Rod dream come true, a little 5'6", five, 5'7", five, 160, just track dude for two speed um just ridiculous and he played pretty much every position at arm i think it was at armwood or maybe sefner i don't i don't know it was uh armwood High yeah School. yeah maybe in sefner florida i don't know sefner yeah. is popping out to me sefner, um, no, you're right <laughs> yeah so yeah that's gross oh god um so yeah out of armwood played like quarterback running back receiver safety corner did everything kick return punt return i think he even punted too um, but this kid was just electrifying, wanted to play in Rich Rod's offense. He thought that he was Steve Slate and Tavon Austin 2.0. Um, then Taggart uh, is hired, and him and Taggart, being a Florida kid, had a previous relationship from U. At, he came from USF, USF, uh, or UCF. No, oh USF. USF. Um, see, this is how I imagine people like mix up ASU and U of A from like the East Coast. That's those are the two schools where I, it, which sucks because they're not even Power Five. But anyways, um, so he goes to Oregon, and I guess Darian was very fond of Taggart when he was down in Florida. Um, but a big part of Darian's um, recruiting process was going away from home. And he did not want to be anywhere close to home. He wanted to do his own thing. And so kind of the perfect storm as well for him to go even further to Oregon. And so followed him there. And yeah, I mean, that was, that was, it was a pretty quick transition. His uncle had told me that he was very shocked. He loved uh, Jamal Adai who had recruited him. He was a safeties coach um, and thought that Arizona was a perfect fit for him, but wanted to go to Oregon with Taggart. Um, he had a falling out during his freshman year with the wide receivers coach and they just did not really get along. Uh, after the season, Darian announced that he was going to transfer and he had a couple looks. I think he had Boise state Toledo, um, Minnesota was close to talking to him or close to offering him because Jamal Adai had gone to Minnesota and had kind of, uh, pounded the table for him, but he never got an offer. Um, he, I feel like he was very close to Boise state, but just, it didn't really pan out. I guess his brother got sick. Um, he was having some sort of, um, brain injury of sorts and he was not doing well. And so I guess he decided to take this year off and he's still very interested in Arizona. Um, but I guess, you know, with the coaching staff change, uh, there's not a lot of contact there. So he turned down a lot of offers, apparently, um, just to sit out this year. He's still in Oregon, uh, but not enrolled. So I'm not exactly sure what he's doing or if he's at a junior college. But that's the last update I got from that family. 
Um, so hopefully he gets back to the field in some capacity. That's kind and of a tragic story, all that going down, huh? Crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how yeah. you know you're out on the uh, on the uh, recruiting trail and you're getting wine and dine and all those exciting things, and then you know just uh, just a little while later, all these things have happened. So it's yeah. just a lesson that those things can change real quickly. Oh yeah, yeah. And so all these guys were from the 2017 class, which at the time was like a top 20 class. I mean, it was a large part of it was because of volume um, because they had like 22 commitments through like December. Um, and then, so this, I didn't follow the 2018 class very closely, but this last one is hacky woods, hockey, hacky. Um, he was out of Pima community college. I don't remember. I think he was from Chicago before. Yeah. He's um, from Chicago. Yeah. And so he somehow ended up at Pima um, and this was like at the time where, uh, I guess like the Pima head coach just had beef with Rich Rod because, or I guess a, a lot of people in general, you, you know, you see a couple kids, uh, come out of Pima and they're playing Pac-12 ball and U of A never even offered them. So there's just some beef because they're not even looking in their own backyard. Um, so they finally land this kid and I guess he had been in Tucson for some time. It said that he made his commitment two years ago, um, maybe when he arrived to Tucson. Um, but then 10 days later, he decommits, gets an offer from Oregon a few days later, and then commits. Um, he signed early and enrolled early. And so far in his debut season, he has played in two games and recorded two tackles. And so that's where he is at right now. I think he has... Um, I think he had two years to play two. I don't think he had that third year. So he's got another year there. And then um, coincidentally now uh, we could circle it back to Dante Williams, who kind of broke up the class. So when he broke up the class, he went to Nebraska. Um, and that was with, um, gosh, who was their coach? Um, Mike Riley. M Mike Riley. There we go. I always wanted to say Anderson. Uh, Mike Riley. So he joined that group and then they got fired at the end of the year. But while he was at Nebraska, he brought like a lot of guys that um, he was recruiting for Arizona. He brought them to Nebraska and they had this Calibraska movement and such. And now they've all transferred and, and left the program as well. Um, and that includes Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Um, and then, so yeah, uh, they get fired and somehow he ends up at Oregon. And so now he's the cornerback coach there. Um, you know, just absolutely murdering the recruiting trail. They have the number three ranked or four ranked, uh, class in the nation right now. And so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's reunited with Thomas Graham as well, which I'm sure they are both very happy about. Um, yeah, just uh, crazy how he winds up at Oregon, but of course, very fitting. The irony, huh? Gabe, yeah. uh, you never fail to disappoint when you go on one of your former Arizona uh, rants. It's uh, whether it be former four stars that didn't pan out, or now the uh, Willie Taggart slash uh, Dante Williams uh, fleecing of Arizona. It's uh, it's a tour de force of names that we had <laughs> hung our our hopes upon and now are you know dashed. Uh, speaking oh, yeah. of which. Uh, Coming this Saturday, um, Brandon, do you have any uh, thoughts, uh, things you want to point out as it relates to the Oregon game specifically? 
Um, I'm actually interested to see how uh, Oregon really bounces back from just a freaking shellacking at the hands of Wazoo. Their running attack looked like absolute garbage. Um, and that's that's interesting to me because Wazoo's defense, as size wise, is a lot smaller than Arizona's, but they freaking stopped it. So I, I'm hoping Yates just allows just to don't 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 play reactive defense. Is that that's what kills you? Um, I'm interested to see if Yates just lets the defense off the leash. So I'm kind of interested how that's going. I'm really interested. I have no clue which way the cornerback or quarterback. Uh, position's going to go, whether it be Khalil Tate or, or Rhett Rod. So um, that's another thing I'm really interested in. I think, honestly, to in, 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 kind of like unbelievable, but honestly, I think that if Rhett Rod were to uh, play, it probably uh, the offense would look better. Um, it would run smoother. Um, Khalil Tate just misses, in my opinion, he misses way too many reads and, and their drive killers and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm – those are the probably the main things, honestly. Yeah, I think if you want to get your running attack right, uh, coming to Arizona Stadium's probably a good start, unfortunately. <laughs> um, well, let's run through the games, um, and then we'll make our picks for Arizona, okay? So, uh, number 23, Utah, uh, on October 26th, is going to be playing at the Rose Bowl against UCLA. Uh, Utah's giving up 10.5 points with an over-under of 55. How do you see that one playing out, Gabe? Um, I will take, gosh, I'll take, yeah, I'm going to take Utah on the points and I'll go under though. So you're going to take Utah, but give up the points. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Brandon? Uh, I will, I will take Utah, but I'm actually going to go with the over on this one. I'm also going to take the over. I think it's going to go up, and I'm going to take Utah. Uh, so, like I said, I'm on the I'm on the Kyle Winningham headshot slash go for it on fourth down with your punter fake uh, and run up the score train. Um, that's going to be on ESPN at 7:30 on the 26th. Uh, on Saturday, the 27th, uh, Oregon State. is rolling into Colorado. Colorado at noon, our time on Pac-12 Networks. Um, Colorado's giving up a scant 24.5 points with an over-under of 62.5. How do you gentlemen see that playing out? Um, yeah, I'll take Colorado both. Yeah, I'm taking Colorado to, to take the over, too. Yeah. Mm, I am gonna take. Uh, I, I'm gonna take obviously Colorado. I'm actually gonna take the under on this one. Yeah, I'm gonna go Colorado and go with the over. I think uh, uh, I I took the Oregon covering the spread once. I'm not gonna make that mistake twice. And if you're talking at 24 and a half points, it's I'm gonna go over and uh, hope they run through it. Um, at 12:30 on uh, ESPN2 slash ABC, I think it's gonna be on the local ABC affiliate. Um, for us, uh, ASU rolls into. Is the one person who is supposed to make their kid think they can do anything. Says they're beautiful even when they're ugly. Thinks they're smart even when they go to Arizona State. 
Let the rest of the world tear your kid down. Your job is to support him no matter what. USC, excuse me. Uh, USC's given up four points with an over-under of 52 and a half, gentlemen. So this one's interesting because uh, I know it's a USC uh, home game for USC, but, uh, you know, JT Daniels is out, and I just saw today that Jack Sears is actually going to be starting. Um, but ASU is just not a good team. So I'm going to go with USC. I'm going to go with USC, and I'll take the – I'm actually going to take the over on this. Uh, this one's tough. I – Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ASU and uh, I'll take the over. All right. Worlds collide. I'm going to go with ASC because I cannot stand to take ASU, but that's a, that's a good point about um, JT uh, being out. That's a big change. Um, so I'm going to go with the under in that game. I just think ASU is not a good road team. Um so uh, I wonder how things would have played out for us with USC as close as that game was if uh, if uh, JT hadn't been playing, but neither here nor there. Uh, number 15, UW. <laughs> Is giving up 11.5 points as it rolls into Cal with an over-under of 45. If you want these kind of dreams, it's Californication. Uh. Washington over. I completely missed. What is, what is the... UW's given up 11.5 at Cal with an over-under of 45. Yeah, UW over. I'm going to go ahead and take uh, UW, but I'm going to take the under. Um, I, I don't have that much confidence in Cal, but I don't think UW's necessarily going to eviscerate him. Um, game of the week, uh, number 14, Washington State. You are without doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of. But you have heard of me. Rolls into number 21 or 24, Ferd. 24, Stanford, excuse me. Nerds! 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 Uh, Ferd's giving up three in this game. Over-unders 53.5. Do either of you happen to know if uh, Bryce Love's expected to play in that game? I don't know if he is or not. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so Bryce Bryce loves always the the magical uh, component for that game. So if um, if he starts at Stanford, if he doesn't, there's no way on earth those guys are going to do anything. Uh, what do you guys think about the game? You know, I'm going to go with the Pirate Man. I like it. I, I got to go Washington State on. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the over still. They'll, they'll I think they'll hang up like. 40 over all right what do you think brandon in no way do i think do i take i i i I respect david shaw immensely but i cannot something's going on wazoo like like yeah leech has got him leech has got him clicking and i agree with gabe i'm taking taking uh definitely wazoo and i'm i am also going to take the over on this wazoo and the over. So I'm going to take Ferd in the under. It's my dogmatic belief in uh, Shaw, the Shaw dog. Um, I just think at home, and for whatever reason, Ferd has had Washington State's number. So, um, And it would be so classic of Stanford to puke up that game to, to Utah, but then beat Washington State, right? So um, 
anyways, that, that's where I'm rolling with that. And so game of the week, we got Oregon rolling in. Uh, they're giving up nine and a half points with an over-under of 65. Number 19, Oregon. <laughs> Um, oh, if I didn't mention, I apologize. Uh, the, um, oh, we missed one. Oh no, we got UW Cal. Uh, excuse me. Uh, UW Cal is going to be on Fox sports one at three 30 our time. And, uh, the Washington state Stanford game is going to be on PAC 12 networks at 4 PM. So unfortunately the best game of the week in the PAC 12 is not going to be seen by anyone. Um, our game is going to be on ESPN at seven 30, uh, number 19, Oregon, giving up nine and a half with an over under 65. What do you guys think? 65 is a lot. That is a lot. That is a I ton th- of points. I'm going to take Oregon, but the under. Oh, I would love to pick. I, would, I said nine and a half. Yeah, I would love to pick zone on this, but I, I can't. Oh, my God, it, Brandon. Holy cow. Crisis uh, alert no. center. It's Brandon crisis is not alert. taking it, zona. This is definitely has nothing to do with, like, I don't think that Arizona can win it. It's just – with the, for me, it's no kidding, the uncertainty at quarterback. I have no idea where this is going to go. Um, so with that uncertainty that I have, I'm, I'm going to pick Oregon. I, I, yeah, I agree. 65 is just way too much for that, and I, I'm definitely taking the under on that. So we all are taking Oregon. I think it's going to be such a shellacking. I'm taking the over. Having said that, since we all picked Oregon and in the uh, – you know, no way I would have ever thought I would have heard that. Brandon picking Oregon. I'm sure Arizona is going to pull the upset of the century on Saturday now. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this earlier. It would just be a riot if Rhett Rod beats Oregon. Yeah, that oh would my. be pretty funny stuff. Ugh. There would be pandemonium. It would be classic Arizona. It is the team that, for whatever reason, we just seem to have our best chance to compete against legitimately. I think it's Masoli uh, payback for all those years that. Uh, although when it comes to comes to the game, you know the Pac-12 championship in, in um, Santa Clara and the Masoli game. When it comes down to a critical game, you know for for you know all the marbles, um, you know we haven't been able to put that one away. So. All right, gentlemen. Well, it was too long, so I know we made up for a lot of time. This actually ran two and a half hours. Good gravy. Um, So let's try not to make it too long next time, and I'll probably split this podcast into two uploads just to keep it a little bit more manageable uh, for people on their their data. Uh, Bear down, and thanks for your time, gentlemen. Yeah, bear down. Bear down. Go Cats.